Hello, denim heads, and welcome to your 15th hangout with the Sons of Selvage. This is a podcast where a group of friends get together to talk about denim, menswear, and related interests. We aim for this to be a fun and inclusive podcast where you feel like you're with uh, longtime friends, but be warned, there's a bit of banter cutting up in explicit language. Uh, this episode is going to be our special end of the year episode, so we'll do a bit of current interest, um, maybe a bit of news, and then but mostly we're just going to jump right into uh, an extended Q&A session. So we know you all been asking lots of questions over the year that we haven't had a chance to get to, so we're going to try and uh, address everybody's open questions and, and wrap things up for, for 2021 that way. Uh, on that note, let's jump into introductions. Hi, I'm Andy. I'm David. I'm Ilya. I'm Kevin. Hi everyone, Lex here, trying to work out which way the alphabet goes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm tall and I just know I'm last, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in the uh I'll put it in the board so we can have it as reference next time. Oh my alarm just went off with hell. David set his alarm for 8am this morning and uh, it didn't go off so he's just jumped on and it's uh, 28 minutes past nine yeah and, and uh, now he sounds like he's part of an ASMR channel so <laughs> I've been awake for a whopping five minutes so uh, yeah I blame it a bit on my COVID booster. I just got my booster last week, and I swear, like, since I got it, I've been feeling a bit like crap every day. And Everyone is, once, so. is that the Moderna one? No, this time I got a Pfizer booster, ah. but the first oh, two oh. I had AstraZeneca, and this time this time Pfizer. So it, Everyone I know who's had the Moderna one have said it, it's proper not one for six. Yeah, yeah. My folks back home said the same. And then in terms of Pfizer, like, it, it hit my, my partner really hard. She got quite quite ill but for me i've just been a bit kind of tired all the time but uh all good cool so i guess we jump into a quick bit of uh current interests yeah all right i'll awesome. start um we're gonna be keep this nice and short um it was my 36th birthday uh not long ago uh, yeah and um so uh i got from my wife um a kind of joint birthday Christmas present, which is a pair of only 288ZRs. Yum. Which nice. are lovely. And I'm wearing them right now. Uh, 20 ounce straight leg. Uh, the kind of the brand's famous secret denim, which is like super soft from the start. Um, and I've basically been wearing them consistently since. Um, and I, all my other pairs have been kind of put to one side for the time being uh, while I crack these ones out and yeah super happy um definitely uh, a solid pair of jeans nice straight leg and uh, a relatively decent rise on them as well so comfy to wear all around that's oh and i also bought a load of stuff from the uh, when i went into london but we don't have time to cover that so uh that's me hmm. so is it worth the hype the secret denim um two weeks in yeah definitely yeah Really, nice. really nice to wear. Mad nice. What's the secret? It's always been on my list, but yeah. <laughs> what's yeah, the secret? What is the secret? Yeah. Um, it's the uh, the spices used in it, which is a family recipe. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of melange. <laughs> yeah, I guess they had that really cool kind of green cast sort of mm. hue that you don't see on anyone else's denim. So I guess maybe that's the secret. Is sort of the dyeing process and the weaving process. 
rumor has it it's made by like one blind dude or something like that yeah which is probably wonder, legit but i wonder if he's friends with that kind of one old grandpa that, that does all pbj's looms as well so there's like a, a little village where there's like one next to uh um <laughs> uh, what you call it? kojima where there's yeah. like each old grandpa working for a different denim company in japan <laughs> and then they came <laughs> together and created tanuki <laughs> There's like, definitely some. There's definitely some links there. Yeah. Some links there. It's like geriatric power loom rangers. <laughs> <laughs> green calf guy. <laughs> yeah, green ranger works for Oni. <laughs> um, cool. So I guess for me, a uh, bit of um, bit of current interest. So I turned forty last week, which is cool. Uh, had a lot of fun. Um, you know, kind of catching up with family and stuff and making some pizza, uh, which is which is fun. Got into the uni pizza game. But um, what I wanted to specifically talk about was I spent a lot of time on eBay and Grails, always looking for neat stuff that uh, is for a sweet deal. And I've always been in love with Jack Spade and um, Apollos. They're two kind of like brands that were really big, I guess, during the kind of hashtag menswear era and have kind of long since disappeared um but jack spade did a collaboration with Bab- barbor barber barbor barbor jackets um for like they, they did their i think it's called their badal jacket but they um slimmed it down a bit <laughs> he just purposely mispronounced <laughs> it man i don't know how to say this shit it's your, as a nation england kind of crying. northeast england Tyneside in yorkshire b-dale oh uh, okay i could try and do the my best like jacket, yorkshire accent. It, uh, it cleans your asshole at the same time <laughs> um, oh, oh that's yeah, I got my new Bedore jacket, mate. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. They took the jacket and they like slimmed it down. They put a quilted vest inside of it that you can take in and out. Uh, black watch plaid lining, um, and then like a bunch of uh, cord cord. Uh, Was it nylon cordura reinforcements? So like both the shoulders are have like reinforcements and like both the elbows, and the inside back. Um, so sort of they they kind of basically added like every bell and whistle they could think of. Um, to the jacket and uh, when they originally when they originally came out they sold it for some like absurd price just because it had jack spade branding on it um but i got got on ebay for 100 pounds pretty much brand new sitting in a dude's closet so i'm uh, super excited to have a wax canvas jacket for the first time it's one thing I've, I've never owned um and i'm excited to see how it patinas and stuff though i always see when people like re-wax their garments they get that kind of like mega shiny look I'm wondering how you can keep, you know, something from from kind of making it look like it's kind of like faux leather as it ages. But maybe that's just the normal patina and just part of uh, the fun of wax canvas. But uh, yeah, yeah, wax, wax canvas will ha- you'll have that sheen naturally at start, and it'll just wear away over time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, that's good. So it's, it's relatively short lived. That's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's got like some hand pockets at the chest, which are quite quite nice. Uh, some kind of like flat pockets on it and just a lot, a lot of really cool features that are uh, quite clever and looking forward to maybe traveling in it shortly. So I'm going home for the first time in a couple of years uh, next weekend. So yeah, it'd be cool to see how it, how it travels. Uh, I guess I'm next. Um, I'll go the opposite way. So rather than any new purchases or pickups, I have been clearing out my, 
wardrobe closet, whatever you want to call it. Um, trying to be a little bit more sensible. Um, so yeah, I've been, I guess, cleaning out the stuff that I haven't been wearing, uh, stuff that hasn't been getting much love. Um, and I always find this is a, a quite a therapeutic um, process. And yeah, uh, I've managed to sell some jackets, some shirts, which either no longer fit, I'm not longer wearing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's also meant I've, I've made up some space um, for the stuff that I do like. Um, and yeah, just the curation, I think is quite, quite an important process for me uh, in terms of uh, what I like to wear. Um, and yeah, it kind of makes you think about the, the, the you know the pieces that you have and why you love and enjoy wearing them. Um, and you know some of the items that you might um, think that you loved before you and you know might have not either worn them enough um, or they just don't really fit into what you're about. Um, so yeah, it's been quite a, quite a nice process uh, from my point of view. Um, I think Andy, you've been doing something similar as well yeah yeah uh like you saw the filson cruiser and uh there are a pair of i've got a pair of studio darts and chinos up and there'll be a few bits coming up again uh are coming up on sale soon as well that are just no longer part of my fit my wardrobe yeah um it's a bit of a sad day for me today actually um as i finished watching sopranos today which is um it was a long ride because it's a bit of a commitment but um yeah it was was awesome um, but it's always, yeah, sad as in terms of, you know, finishing something like that, that you invest so much time in. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's that. And then in terms of, um, any like new purchases. So back in April or May, I think it was, um, Pigeon Tree Crafting, um, they did their, or he did his yearly, um, Indigo Diet, um, collection. Um, and I picked up a belt which got delivered earlier this month. Um, so it's a single prong indigo leather quick release belt. Um, you know, the belt that he's, he's kind of like famous for. Um, so I went with the the single prong or the single version um, with teardrop holes and the buckle is made out of solid brass. Um, yeah, real good quality. Um, I know some of you have his belt or some of his belts as well. So um yeah any listeners that don't have it i highly recommend it's um, yeah super super good quality um i'm usually more of a minimalistic time kind of style that i go for with belts um but with this, with this one i i just i just love the the indigo diet um aspect of it to start with um and you know i thought let's try something different um, but yeah, I didn't want to make it too too big of a piece, which is why I went for the for the single prong basically. Um, yeah, and that's me for uh, for this month really. Cool. Now I've learned the alphabet. Uh, I'll I'll jump in. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I've had one purchase since we last recorded, so it's been quite a short one. But um, as I mentioned previously, I've been getting into Hawaiian shirts. Um, and I managed to pick up on eBay a old 1960s Royal Hawaiian shirt, surprisingly cheaply. Uh, silk shirt, a really nice print on it. Um, 
So I'm really pleased with that purchase, but obviously it's winter now, so it's not exactly Hawaiian shirt weather. So all I need to do now is one, well, get it dry cleaned, because obviously it's second hand, so a bit stinky. Uh, get it dry cleaned and then wait for some sun. Um, yeah, so really pleased with that. Um, and that's about my only purchase. But the other thing actually I'll quickly mention is also I went to see uh, June, um, which I don't know if any of you guys mm. uh, got to the cinema to see that yet. Not yet, no. Not yet. No, I'll be waiting for it online. I have, I have, I have. I really enjoyed it. It's not something I've heard of, so it's based on like an old series of books from the 60s. Um, Mm -hmm. um, I've heard it described like a grown-up Star Wars, um, but I really enjoyed it, and I'd recommend it. The visuals are amazing, and it's probably one of the most tense films I've ever seen. Um, But I, I enjoyed it. Tom, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was really good. It's quite like an experiential film um, because in terms of the storyline, it, it feels like the opening 15 minutes of a normal film, <laughs> like setting up everything for like the actual storyline. Um, and, you know, it, it probably could have had one or two bits cut out or shortened. Um, but, you know, for the whole kind of cinematic experience of it all, you know, I think you definitely need to see it on a big screen as opposed to home, you know, with all the sound going off around you you know it's um quite impressive my girlfriend described it as a two and a half hour long trailer yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, it's really funny i just i just realized that lex said dune not june did uh, i get it wrong so... <laughs> are you <laughs> thinking of the month so when I said what what is it earlier in the in the in the recording, I was thinking of something else. But yeah, now that you mentioned Dune, um, <laughs> I highly recommend checking out uh, a podcast called Infinite Worlds. It's a science fiction podcast and also like a indie sci-fi magazine. Um, it's a dude named Winston and a guy named Nick that do the podcast. But they did like a two-part series on the history of Dune. Um, and what was really interesting to find out about it is uh, apparently when Frank Herbert wrote the book. It's all about like OPEC and like Middle East conflicts at that time. Um, and so you can almost like translate each of the kind of factions and, and sort of plot lines into sort of stuff happening in the Middle East. Uh, and I guess it's very it was very prophetic for uh, what happened in like, you know, the 90s and, and stuff like that with the Iraqi war and um, whatnot. So so definitely check out the Infinite Worlds episodes on Dune. Cool. cool. I'd, I'd also highly recommend um, the documentary Jodorowsky's Dune which was about the failed attempt uh, for it to be made back in like the 70s or 80s by the Chilean director, Alando Jodorowsky, who didn't read the book at all, but in his head what? had planned. Yeah, he, he he didn't read the book. He just heard like, a, he, he got like a, a, a general gist of it. Um, they had like all the correct characters and the parts and stuff and planned on making this like 10 to 15 hour long epic and like had, um, he had loads of kind of quite important stars and artists um, involved in the creation of it. So HR Giga was involved in it, Mobius. Um, he had like prog bands like Pink Floyd and Magma signed up and they were going to do the music for each individual planet. So it was a different band per planet. And strangely enough, uh, it didn't happen. Um, it got into pre-production and um, yeah, like it's really interesting to see like kind of where all the influences everything that went into that creation can be seen you know in loads of other films now and like direct 
directly pulled out of all the pre-production stuff. But yeah, it's really, really good documentary. And Jodorowsky is absolutely tapped. He's on another plane. He's great. <laughs> yeah, I think that's my all-time favorite documentary. Mm. Uh, I've watched it so many times. And, and folks who like aren't really into sci-fi find it really entertaining just because Hodorowsky is such a, a character. Oh, so yeah. um, it's definitely worth watching, you know, even if you're not into science fiction. Um, and yeah, one of my favorite life experiences was getting to see him uh, present the film and watch it in person in Paris when it when it first came out. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, he was there kind of being completely insane in person, which is which is neat. And then also, uh, uh, for folks who are interested in that whole world, uh, make sure to look up the, the NCAL, uh, which is another related project of those guys and the, and the fact that uh, um, movies coming out for that in the in the coming years and that'll be uh, equally awesome taika waititi director yeah, yeah boy my man taika waititi that is gonna be yeah that's gonna be amazing uh, i i don't really have much to add other than june <laughs> <laughs> did, so, I, did i steal uh, your thing <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah a little bit <laughs> oh. that's fine that's fine uh yeah just been a busy boy <laughs> I watched um I watched Bond last week, so I saw the whole two seconds of the RGT jacket. <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> you just have to go out and buy it. Like it was just like, oh my god. Yeah, so good. I went out straight 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 out, <laughs> bought it. You know, bought ten of them. Yeah. <laughs> it was there's literally like half whole, a second. There's a whole like, like culture of people who like hunt down Bond outfits and like try and piece together like w- what he was wearing in each scene and like where you can buy it and it's like it's like the like um almost like a dress like bond part of like hashtag menswear culture it's really interesting there's a couple of podcasts and instagram accounts dedicated to it aren't there yeah sad really <laughs> i'll tell you what <laughs> riven hides nice. laughing all the way to the bank thinking how much money oh, yeah. they made so, uh, i think they sold like was... 10 of each jacket or something oh i did start watching uh will of time on amazon that's been pretty good um for any of you fantasy nerds um yeah it's quite quite big budget which is nice uh um, my wife is a huge fan and she was super super disappointed oh really yeah i found it okay so far um they've got like all the references in the book and everything oh from the books like as little you know nods mm. uh in camera scenes so i, I think they'll build it up and because yeah. i mean the first book is pretty much like cookie cutter from lord of the rings like mm. oh there's some friends in a little village and they get saved by a wizard but this time she's a woman <laughs> and a ranger guy and then they go on an adventure and there's bad guys after them and then they get split up oh no it's it's just absolutely yeah ridiculously like lord of the rings uh, but then like, i think after the first book it does divulge and start to get good so what's its like unique selling point as a series like i know you know brandon sanderson worked on it and etc but like w- what kind of makes it so special there's like a million books yeah there's like i think 15 books um, and each one is like uh, you know uh, as thick as all of the lord of the rings um, and it's it's got quite a deep magic and mythology system in it that borrows a lot from buddhism and like reincarnation and stuff um and there's like 10 or 12 main characters that are followed throughout the books that's why each book is so thick it's got to touch on every character um but unlike game of thrones they don't all die like in the first book so <laughs> and it's actually well written on that game of thrones so 
Awesome. Um, yeah, speaking of like TV show remake, whatever's, um, has anybody watched the new Cowboy Bebop? No, it's on my list. Watch the first two episodes. Jury's still a bit out for me on whether it's good or not. There's, it, it's like kind of like the 300 or the Watchmen movie and 300 movies where they're sort of like cell per cell type recreations of the anime, um, which is a bit odd. And also I found that the fighting in it's kind of, it looks almost like it's fake, like 1970s B movie combat. Oh, I'm uh, down I don't with know. That. What's that? I'm down with that. Yeah, it's got this weird kind of cheese vibe to it. I, I I can't quite place my finger on it, but it just doesn't feel... It's like they spent, obviously, like insane money making it. It's like very high production, but the combat just looks kind of cheesy. I, I don't know, but I'll, I'll keep with it and see. see is how it, is it a bit like Iron Fist? Uh, I haven't seen Iron Fist, actually. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that was lame. Yeah. I'll have to put that on my uh, to-learn-about list. Prepare to be very disappointed. Yeah, okay. Maybe I'll skip it. <laughs> I didn't even bother watching it. I was just like, oh, it just looks terrible. So, <laughs> has, anyone, has anyone watched the Foundation series yet? No, I don't have Apple uh, Plus. So I've heard it's a bit a bit wank. That's a shame. Yeah, I've still I heard hope. that one of the best uh, best shows of recent was the that Ridley Scott one on Apple Plus. Was it uh, Raised by Wolves or something like that? Pack of oh, Wolves? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, that that's the, Apple the Plus, the, right? That was uh, that was HBO Max, wasn't it? So oh, over it was like Sky Atlantic. That was the the robots and the little kids. Yeah, I want to watch that, but I, I don't have that service. I need to take it. I've done cool. to the list of things to check out. Cool. Yeah, it's a massive list. <laughs> Never-ending list, <laughs> along yeah. with the stack of DVDs and Blu-rays that I've got that I think currently goes up to my shoulder <laughs> of things I haven't watched. Awesome. I guess uh, should we jump into some news or just go straight to Q and A? We have news. Go for it. Q and A. Yeah, yeah. I'm not seeing yeah. any specific news that's like Q and A kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. The only news we have really is, um, well, Jake, aka almost vintage style, got married yesterday. But that's oh, not cool. Really, that's not interesting. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, shout out congratulations to Jake. Them. Congratulations to both of them. Um, yeah. Did he wear engineer boots? No, he did not. He, he was in his had, suit. He had a special. Uh, made for him. I can't remember the uh, the shoemaker. But um, Real McCoys have opened their store again in London. Oh, yeah. I managed to pop mm. in there on the weekend, which uh, it's a really nice space. A lot more uh, bigger than the uh, the one uh, on Henrietta Street. Okay. It's like a phone um, box. The other one. Yeah. <laughs> Did they, did they yeah. still uh, have all their products out without price tags? Because that was the thing I remember from the last store. Um, I think they did have price tags on them, but they're just nicely hidden away somewhere. Can't find <laughs> <Behind it. laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All the jackets are out now. You know, it's it's all it's it's laid out a lot better. You know, with access to everything that you, you know you can see and touch and you know look at without it being all kind of folded away somewhere in the back. Um, so they've done a good job of um, the store layout. Um, so and it's it's not too far away from um, from the rest of West End as well. So it's it's right off of uh, Savile Row. So it's easy to get to. Cool. Um, so I guess should we? Uh, oh, go ahead, I've Lex, got one. 
I got one quick bit of news. I found out cool. on Wednesday I've been wearing my hat inside out for the last two years. Yeah. Nice. Thanks to Ilya's mum for pointing it out. So now now he's got internal internal fades. Oh yeah, it's, in, it's indigo, now. so I can't turn it the other way around because it's been fading. So I'm just gonna have to live with an inside-out hat, and all the hat geeks will judge me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for those who uh, may have made the same mistake, uh, what's what's the kind of key thing to look out for to know if you've got your hat right side out or not? Um, <laughs> it's just because Lex is like bare into his brand, so he just had to have that tag out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hat is anonymous. Um, no, uh, um, you can tell by the knit, um, but I just never noticed. I must when I washed it, I must have accidentally turned it inside out and never noticed when I put it back on. So doesn't matter. It looks. I mean, I, I I hadn't noticed until that point, so I'm happy with it. But I've got another hat on order with Ilya, so I'll make I'll make sure I wear this one the right way around, Ilya. Don't worry. We'll send instructions this time around. Is your your mum your mum's probably like, oh god, I'm not making another hat for that idiot. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing mine right now, and I'm getting kind of anxious that maybe I'm wearing it wrong. But I'm I'm sure you're fine, David. Turn around. <laughs> It's 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 actually a little bit harder to tell with the model that you're wearing because it's it's going to be very similar. But yeah, the you know the inside of the knit is going to be slightly different to the you know to the external side, kind of like you have on a you know on on your jeans. The you know the other underside is can be seen different. It's just it's the same color, so that's why it's a little bit harder to see. Yeah, I think this one's like pre-shaved where you like already had it cuffed the right way and everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so hopefully, hopefully you've cuffed it uh, correctly for me and set yes. me off on the right track. I think so. I think so. I think you're fine, mate. <laughs> uh, right. Anyway, now that's the important news over. Um, on to questions. Cool. Um, yeah. So I think let's just maybe kind of in alphabet order, or, or actually, just whatever. Um, feel free just to grab whatever one's interested and throw it out there, and we we can go through them. We can take uh, Jake's one mm. first. Cool. As it was his wedding yesterday. Yeah. So when buying boots, do you care more about design, craftsmanship, or the leather? And or in what order, I would say. Um, I think I'd probably go for design first. Then I'd look at craftsmanship. Yeah, and then leather. That's probably yeah. Yeah, probably agree because ultimately you're going i want this kind of boot it's not i want a boot made of any style in i don't know badalassi leather you, you you know when you go most people go for a pair of boots they're considering do i want a, a you know an engineer boot or a service boot or you know whatever and then that's mm -hmm. when they start adding the extra bits and you start thinking about like brands and all the other bits and bobs yeah i guess it depends also which way you you're coming in from it right because like mm. if you if you think about maybe when you when you look at you know using someone like flame panda or whatever or someone one of those indonesian boot makers where you reach out and maybe you've seen a, a really cool leather that they have and you go hey i want a boot made out of that and that's your starting point um yeah i guess it depends on where you come from like for me like as i mentioned a couple of times before i i have two pairs of boots, one 
pair of um, uh, RM Williams, so Chelsea boots and a pair of Red Wings. So yeah, <laughs> for me, it would be indeed like, you know, finding another boot uh, with a different design uh, and then looking at the other details. But I can imagine you'd, you'd start with leather or something. I don't know. How, did, where did you start with yours, Ilya? Uh, with the Flame Pandas, I started with, I think at the time I wanted the Mariam Horsebot leather. So I started with that because it's mm. something I didn't have. So I kind of built the boot around that way uh, from, you know, so in that instance, it, the leather was first. Um, but also knowing that Flame Panda was making it. So I kind of knew that it was going to be, you know, Flame Panda. And this was the leather that I wanted him to use. And the last part of it was the style of the boot, which was, you know, the kind of a combat slash paratrooper boot, which I went with because it, I think it was something I didn't have and I, I thought it would be um, complementary to what, you know, the rest of the stuff that I was wearing. So that's kind of how, how I approached it. Um, but I think each boot is going to be, you know, quite different from my point of view when I'm, I'm I'm picking something so normally I'll probably say yeah I want an engineer boot and I'll go and look for it um so yeah like with the just trying to think back to the John Lofgren uh, made to order which I got that was I knew I really wanted the donkey punches because I think both Andy and I had tried them on previously at the pop-up by Eastman. And um, so I, I was settled on that style. And then mm. I decided, okay, it's going to be a, a, a two-tone black and olive. Um, also knowing that, you know, the, the lengths that um, Mr. Lofgren goes to uh, to make you know his boots. So craftsmanship is definitely a, a factor for me. Uh, especially nowadays when I'm looking for the next boot to get, um, want to get something a little bit, you know, a little bit more special. So yeah, that's that's my approach to it. Anybody else wants to add on? What about you, David? Well, I was going to mention actually that it seems interesting that the made-to-order way of working and, and thinking is is quite different than the sort of ready-to-wear. Um, and yeah, usually for me, it's like one of two things happen. Either I've got like a little checklist of what I'm looking for. So it's like, I want a really shiny black boot, X, Y, Z. I've got like a couple of bits of criteria. And I'm like, where can I find the best version of this this thing that I imagine? Um, and, you know, I go look at different brands and see what they've got. And especially with something like Viberg or Alton, each shop will have like different kind of special makeups or SMUs as well. So you kind of have to like really look a lot of places to see who's kind of got that thing or the other way it'll go is I'll just see something online. I'm like, and I, and I kind of fall in love with it. It's like, oh, wow, those are perfect. Like I remember at one point, uh, Lost and Found had these like really cool indie boots. Um, and I just fell in love with them. And I tried to forget about them for like six months. But I was still in love with them after six months. And so I, I finally ordered a pair. But that was literally like, I didn't think at all about, at all, at all about it. I just sort of saw something, fell in love with it. And um, that ended up being my next pair. So I feel like it's usually that. It's, it's all about kind of the emotional drive of, of what do you want. I think the more money you spend on kind of boots, the more you look for craftsmanship. So I think as you, you know, Ilya said, when he gets custom made pay, you expect something that's really well made. Whereas I've, I've not had the chance yet, or the money to splash out on 
something like that. So I tend to buy ready to wear ones. So with that, I'd look more for style, just ones that I, I like the style of really, because I guess the craftsmanship is, is kind of much of a muchness for, you know, boots you're getting around the 200 pound mark. I guess a lot depends on how you're going to wear them too. Cause if you're just getting like a pair of red wings to beat up, it's like, shoot, might as well get a pair of factory seconds. If you can get, you know, a good deal on them. Cause you're going to beat them up anyways. But then I guess if you went for some of those, like kind of really high end, uh, custom boot makers, like, um, you know, Jake are always vintage styles really into, I guess on those, you really want to, you really care about that craftsmanship cause you want them to kind of look perfect and, and stay as close to perfect as possible. Um, like a piece of like a like a sports car, a piece of artwork, rather than like buying a Jeep to go kind of like you know romp around in. Yeah, all my boots like beat the hell out of them. So, cool. shall we jump jump into another question? Yeah, I think the next one. All right, so um, it's MXN underscore boots underscore boy. Um, how do you know you found your style? He wants to jump in with that. How do you know you found your style? Um, I guess you know it when you've kind of consistently wearing the same thing for a number of you know months, years, and you just add on to it rather than try and mm. find the next thing that you're you're interested in. Um, I would say when you're happy in, in you know in the way you dress and you don't have to think too much about what you're going to be wearing from you know from day to day you kind of you've got your you've got <clears throat> your template you've got your foundations and you just uh, use that as your starting point um, I would say that's probably how I feel about it Tom yeah I, I, I'd say you know about the same and you know if you find yourself picking up you know one or two similar pieces over and over again um then you know you're kind of <laughs> on your way to you know setting out your own style really um so i find that you know i'm always picking up chambray shirts and bits like that you know denim jackets and it's like well there you go that's that's me sorted <laughs> i'll go buy some more chambray shirts <laughs> you can never have enough chambray shirts never oh god all the chambray shirts yeah, that's how I feel about like black westerns. I could like I could I could have a closet full of just black western shirts of different shapes and fashions. Um, one thing I would add though is I feel like even when you found your style, it's still a, a constant evolution. I mean, maybe they're those kind of staple things that you always go to, like the particular cut of jean you like or the particular type of top you like, you know, a jacket you always wear, these kinds of things. But I definitely feel like every couple of years, your style will kind of just adjust just that little bit see like you introduce something different or maybe you phase something out um like i know over recent years there's this whole joke about me and neon stuff um something i i loved as a kid and just kind of i don't know brands started making things and colors i loved again and so i kind of mixed that back into my style but that'll never change the fact that like most of my clothes i wear are either black or or indigo um and and so yeah i think this is kind of notion of like you know every now and then it's kind of like add a little bit of spice to the recipe and kind of tweak it a bit. Um, but it still stays your style all along the way because it's stuff that you love and that you feel good in. Yeah, it, <clears throat> I definitely agree with that. It's how, how you how you express that and how you, you know, work those pieces in. Um, I've definitely seen, you know, a, a change in what I wear and how I wear it and, you know, the kind of the brands that I go for as well. 
So that that does change, but it's still within the same kind of parameters, I guess. Um, so I, th I think I've like kind of noticed all of us change in the time that we've been hanging out. So like the very the first meet I went to, everyone was just wearing like double or triple denim, and that was it. Um, <laughs> and I still do. <laughs> yeah, Tom's not changed. <laughs> Uh, but these days, I think it, it's kind of evolved slightly more, whereas obviously most people are wearing some denim, but not just head to toe, other than Tom, of course, other than, other than head to toe uh, denim. So I think everyone's evolved a bit, but within the same realm of kind of heritage menswear. Um, but I don't know how you know you found think, your style. I think Go the on. brands have probably have evolved on, over time as well, right? So we evolve with that. Um well, yeah. some some brands, I guess you've stuck with. Some brands you haven't. I mean, like every one of us, mm. you know. Um, I think a lot of people that got into it probably would have came in via like RGT, three sixteen, and some people have stayed within, you know, using, you know, going to those brands. Some haven't. Um, and there's, you know, it's not right or wrong. It's just how you feel, and you know, whether those brands are still producing stuff that you're interested in. Um, yeah, absolutely. One thing that I think that's a slightly different way to look at it, but equally interesting, is like how shops find their style, or like how brands find their style as designers. Like I always think the um, snake oil provisions story is super interesting. I guess at some point, you know, Ben already had his shop, he had his style, but then he got really obsessed with uh, Drive when it came out, and like Ryan Reynolds' look. And I find it fascinating how he's been Ryan kind Gosling. of like. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, Ryan Gosling. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Um, Drive with Ryan Reynolds would be. A <laughs> <very good. laughs> I would be able to watch that. <laughs> Shut up, man! Too much talking. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting how uh, um, Ryan Gosling had a particular look in that film, and how uh, Ben's kind of slowly curated that style for his shop. Like I know his recent RGT Silver Silver Lake uh, fit. They even have kind of like the scorpion silk screened inside the pocket bags and purple and stuff. And so I think that's kind of the most interesting take of a, a shop build, like having an idea of what they want their style to be and slowly building that style and finding it. So I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, another another cool example of that is Eat, Eat Dust, Belgium brand. Um, two guys who basically came at it from a like motorcycling passion um so both bikers um in the beginning it was all very denim heavy so like denim jeans jackets vests shirts um but they've evolved over time and it's a lot more yeah i would say a lot more workwear inspired now there's still that that motorcycling influence into it but there's way more a workwear influence and a lot more americana nowadays as well so they definitely they definitely pivoted the the their, mm. you know, their point of view and i think that's probably to do with the kind of clientele they wanted to try and uh you know bring in because you know the motorcycling yeah community can you know it's 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 kind of very defined uh, in that sense whereas the work where it can you know be open to a lot more uh people so i think that was probably a strategic uh move on their part absolutely absolutely um it, it is quite interesting like um 
like obviously they're from, from Belgium, but I'm not sure if they're actually from Antwerp, but like they moved to Antwerp, or at least they are in Antwerp now. And that's, it's a, it's a huge like fashion city. Um, I think there's like a fashion university or something over there as well. So, you know, that kind of stuff will probably influence what they do too. Um, and they've even got a women's wear line now, girls, they dress, do. Yep. which is really, yep. really cool. Um, yeah, so for any ladies listening, check out Girls of Dust if you haven't yet checked it out. All one of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop listening, Mum. <laughs> you beat me to it. Hey, Mum. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's cool to see the, the number of women getting into our scene and, and getting into our hobby. And yeah. uh, I feel like over time, it's definitely becoming less of a only male thing and, and, and more of a diverse scene. Um, so I think that's really cool. You know, folks from different different identities, different uh, different parts of the world, different styles. I, I love the fact that the the, the scene's kind of opening up a bit. Um, and I mean, it's long overdue, obviously, but I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, I think that. Oh, I said a brain like not to pat ourselves on the back, but on the back, but like things like meetups and stuff like that is a great help to open it up to to other people. Yeah, I've um, this one called One Out Global. It sounds really, really fun. Yeah, uh, I've heard it's good. Yeah, all the guys there are really, really uh, friendly. Um, and only one of them's a little <laughs> bit, bit rapey. Bit scary, <laughs> though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's worth noting David? that our, our podcast that name is is by no means indicative of our of our intended distribution. It, it was a uh, very much inspired by the Sons of Anarchy uh, TV show and their kind of aesthetic and and branding. So, uh, yeah, we definitely should have some uh, some female guests um, on on the podcast in the near future. That'd be really cool. Twenty twenty two goals for the podcast. <laughs> Next question. I might, I might one. grab this one, um, blue yeah. and bruise or blue underscore ND underscore bruise. Cause I think it actually just correlates a bit to the, what we were sort of talking about around styles and trends. So it's uh, what makes, keeps things interesting in the denim boots or rugged wear world. Um, I think that's, that's kind of, kind of interesting cause it's sort of related to this idea of like changing styles, changing brands, changing shops and, and keeping the same as well. And, um, one thing that came to mind just briefly to me was the fact that like Hyatt has never done anything but jeans. They've kind of like, I guess just maybe their sales volume is so high after uh, um, uh, Meghan Markle was shouting about them, but maybe not. But they've just never, ever done anything else besides jeans and they've never changed. So it's interesting to kind of say, yeah, what, what keeps this scene interesting when you have brands like that that don't do new stuff? Well, I mean, it's not necessarily that they don't do new stuff, right? It's just that they, they do lots of short make, runs, like hundred pairs of yeah. this fabric, or you know, this, this special collaboration fabric from Candiani or whatever like that. So mm. they kind of keep the interest through limited runs. And I think a lot of brands do that these days. Yeah, leaning yeah, towards it, um, capsule collections over seasonal pieces and the like. Yeah, but I mean, even if it's seasonal, like still, like that's kind of like the stuff you look forward to, right? It's like your favorite brands coming out with new stuff. Uh, you know, even if it's the same cut and different uh, denim that's used or 
um, something like that, or you know, new items that they add to their collection or things like that. Um, that's kind of like what keeps it interesting for me. It is a weird thing though, like it's like you buy a pair of jeans over and over again, you know, and it, what what do you do it for? We do it for the fades, you know, whatever. Um, but it is, yeah, it is interesting that we we keep doing it. I think kind of a, a counter way of looking at it is is sort of seeing the evolution and change and kind of stories you capture and and the ones you already own. So like obviously getting that new pair of crisp jeans for the office is great and everything, but there's something so nice about being able to go back to like a shirt you've had five, ten years, a pair of jeans you've had five or ten years and kind of like see how much it's changed since once you bought it. And I, I know I will often even like go back to like my photo albums and look at it that garment when I first got it and what it looks like versus like what mine looks like now and just kind of like reflecting on the experiences you've had in it and the journeys you've had in it. I think that's that's such a cool part of the hobby too. Like recently, um, I, I, I have a bag from uh, Tepe Teranishi, Teranishi Studio. He was like a member of the band Thrice that started making bags and stuff, uh, really good ones too. Um, and he, I bought one of his bags, I guess about 10 years ago when I moved to the UK. Um, and recently I've kind of worn a couple holes in it. And so I was like learning how to hand stitch and repair the bag. And when I was kind of done and fixed, I was kind of looking at it and I went back to my photo albums when I like first bought it and was kind of comparing how much it's changed and how beat up it's gotten over time. And like that to me keeps it interesting because it's like that bag that you could argue is at some point would be replaced by another bag or like, you know, just kind of, oh, I, this one's a, a, a more new, interesting, cooler bag that bag's equally interesting just because it's got so much character and stuff over 10 years that uh, I don't necessarily, necessarily even feel the need to replace it. I'd rather just fix it. From my point of view, it's, it's, I enjoy it from a, a styling point of view and it's like, how, how can I do something a little bit different? How can I make a twist on it? How can I make it my own um, with the same kind of the pieces that, you know, I've been wearing? Um, yeah, I think that that's that's what kind of keeps it interesting for me um, within the same you know, set of items that I have. Like how do I make it fresh for myself um, without having to you know get new stuff all the time? And that's something I'm trying to um, get better at, not buying stuff all the time. Yeah, one one related thing I've I've been cognizant of recently is um, this whole kind of like notion on social media, which which it's always been there of like kind of living your best life. So you see some cool shirt or boots or whatever on on Insta, and it's like, man, those are really cool. God, I'd love to have those boots, and I could run around in them and kick leaves and stuff. Oh man, it'd be so great. And then I, I, I catch myself saying like, wait a second, you know, I would actually just be like walking around those boots to like my local field or to my local grocery mm. store and trying to kind of unpick the product from like the product placement. Um, I know some brands are really good at kind of making this notion of like effortless cool or like California chill or mountain adventure and all this, all this stuff that kind of like sells their products. And it kind of gets you juiced up thinking you're going to live that life, but it's like, wait, wait a second. I'm not going to go in my Filson gloves and chop down logs in my back garden. You know, I'm not going to go fishing in a fly fishing in a stream in these boots. And um, yeah, just being able to kind of like split the the I mean, product. There's nothing and, stopping you, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just kind you of. You can go just, do that if you want. 
yeah it's like you know they don't they don't show like pictures of like someone in a cool new jacket with like wiping baby vomit off of it and stuff so it's like there's half half of these new products is the the actual nice product which you see and feel in person if you go to a shop but half of it online is just kind of like the theoretical lifestyle you're going to live in it and like that's not ever actually or very rarely actually how you'll experience those products and trying to um kind of unpick that before you decide you want to go buy that next new thing i think will will definitely help me save some money if i can achieve it i guess one last little plug i'll mention there i guess that's kind of why ebay and, and grailed are so interesting right because like you're just seeing the product on its own usually on a hanger looking at half kind of shitty and and not all that great <laughs> and it really lets you kind of say like how much does this thing in isolation appeal to me and how how nice is it as a kind of like thing on a hanger rather than sort of you know in some kind of marketing shoot on instagram and someone's vintage corvette or something you know but anyways that's probably a whole separate discussion topic all right next question cool uh, go for from, it. yeah uh from uh fades into obscurity why are so many denim heads excited over leg twists why isn't they I could give a F about <laughs> leg twists. Yeah, I'm not particularly bothered by them. It's it's, it's interesting, but it's not a uh, not something I I, I get about. <laughs> Put it simply. Well, no, I think the I'll theory is that. Um, I mean, I, I'm rocking a semi already. But you always <laughs> no, no, you're always rocking a semi. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. There's actually some science behind this. I believe that the leg twist it actually like tightens the weave of the denim as it twists over time. And so it better holds in that scent for those who like to sniff your jeans. <laughs> oh, bringing it back Ooh. from last, time, last episode's question. Have <laughs> oh. <laughs> you been getting back. DMs then? <laughs> no, I, I still don't believe it exists. <laughs> I want to sniff your farty jeans. <laughs> I will pay good money. money. <laughs> like those, um, just makes me think of those people who were. Uh, pay um people to crush watermelons with their thighs and stuff like that oh yeah <laughs> i mean um, yes i've heard of this yes. uh, yeah i mean is, isn't isn't the idea with the leg twists like you know the irregularity of how denim used to be woven and the imperfection of you know the tensions between the weaves that makes the leg twist and if you're super into vintage 501s it's like oh yes look at this vintage levi's that has so much leg twist yeah, I I quite often buy vintage, every now and again buy vintage Levi's, and it is one way of telling if it's got a bit of leg twist, you could generally know it's a, it's an older pair. Um, but I mean, it's not something I'd be bothered about a new pair, and I guess people that look into it just just like it, as Tom said, just because it's uh, replicating these older styles and the older way that the fabric was made with with these imperfections. It's funny. I actually used to get annoyed when my jeans would twist before I understood why I was doing it. Um, I was like, what the heck, man? Both legs are kind of twisted to the side a bit. This isn't supposed to happen. And now that I do understand what it is, I still don't necessarily think it's all that awesome. I actually really love to see that Broken Twill's kind of getting a bit more of a, a bit, bit more of a spotlight recently. I think that's such a cool fabric, and I love the idea that it, like, fixed a problem. Don't like Broken Twill. Shame. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, but it just doesn't feel right. It's not not, hey. not as denim. It's just yeah, don't like it. So what's your take then on left hand twill? 
Uh, yeah, and again, don't like left hand twirl. Just always picked it up, always seen pairs made with it, and just always thought, no, nah, doesn't feel quite right. But that's just me, maybe. <laughs> so the King Tom Denim Bible would say, right hand twirl yeah. only. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three by one. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> what about two by one right hand twirl? Uh, if it's jacket, then yeah, that's fine. <laughs> David's thinking. Tell us what you're thinking, right? <laughs> I think it's time to start a canvas revolution here. <laughs> um, should, I, should I take? Should I take the next one? Do it. Go for it. Well, yeah. Mm, mm, uh, so this is from fashion.is.therapy. Oh, shit's mood. Uh, fashion.is.therapy.yeg. <laughs> Getting dressed. Do you pick tops first or bottoms first? Ooh. Underpants first. <laughs> uh. I mean, I. Well, I wear the same pair of jeans like, over and over again, so <laughs> it's not a case of picking the bottoms first. It's the same ones. So I guess that might be my starting point, or it might not, depending on how you look at it. For me, it's off when off uh, footwear driven. So I'll think about like what kind of weather it is. You know, is it a rainy day, sunny day, you know, sneakers day, boots day, Oxford's day, whatever. And I'll often kind of like look at my shoes and say, all right, what shoes do I want to wear today? And have I not worn them yesterday because I don't want to wear the same pair two days in a row? And then I often kind of work backwards from that. It's the most backwards convoluted way of getting dressed. <laughs> <laughs> you then put the shoes on and have to like squeeze over your jeans. <laughs> yeah, I've got this I've got this thing where I really don't like to touch the linoleum in my kitchen in the morning because it's too cold. So I usually be like sitting there in my undies, grinding my coffee in my boots. <laughs> Mate, get a pair of slippers. <laughs> I'm actually kidding. We need slip in boots. <laughs> cut, cut, the, cut the back out, slip right into them. <laughs> I mean, you've just like broken my world, David. <laughs> I, think I heard my girlfriend cringe downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really think about my shoes that much to like I've only got like three ooh, no, I was about to say three pairs of boots, but I've got like four R M Williams, so <laughs> three pairs of boots and lots of Chelsea boots. Uh and it's usually just like, yes, same pair of jeans, uh whatever top I decide, you know, a new shirt. I haven't worn in a while, um, mix up the jacket a bit, and then whatever boots I feel is vibing with that outfit. It's really interesting how the centricity of your hobby drives what you what you wear or base your outfits around. So I guess for us, it's usually like what jeans you're feeling, what jacket, you know, it's kind of like essentially like what kind of cool denim piece am I going to get some wear in? Um, but hanging out on the Stitch Down uh, premium Discord is part of the Patina Thunderdome. It's interesting to see there's a lot of folks in there whose like entire mind and, and world centers around boots and shoes and welting. And uh, there's like a small kind of subreddit, a sub uh, discord channel they have on on denim. And yeah, it's, it's almost kind of like for a lot of the, the stitch down dudes, denim seems to be kind of this like obscure thing that maybe they might delve into. And like maybe maybe I should get some of that selvage stuff. And 
Um, it's interesting <laughs> to kind of see that. Uh, Are they sitting there like huh, denim nerds, and we're sitting here like huh, shoe nerds? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like West Side Story or something. But, it's uh, the same on the um, to an extent on the Heritage Boot page on Facebook, where people are like, oh yeah, but then I've heard like you're not meant to wash them, and then it goes into that argument because they've heard it in an article, and you're like, no, dude, just just wear them. It's not that hard. You've just got to spend maybe a little bit more money on a pair of jeans or maybe a little bit less, depending if you're already buying stuff from like certain designer brands. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, be careful with that washing advice. You really might get put in your place on those <laughs> Facebook groups. You might get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good thing I didn't use uh, our podcast to comment on that one dude's invitational uh, uh, <laughs> shirt. He, he was, he was uh, very, very upset that we said that you can wash jeans. In fairness, though, I do see that he uh, follows us on Instagram, so don't want to give him too much of a hard time because I think he's actually a, a listener and appreciates yeah. what we do. No, that's cool. Um, no, that's it. It's um, different strokes for different folks, and if you don't want to wash them, don't wash them. If you do, you do. That's our view. I was trying to adapt that saying into a denim saying. I, I, I couldn't figure it out. It's like different fades for different. No. Different wearings. No. <laughs> different wear for different hair. Mm. <laughs> different wear for different heft. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, should go on to the next one? Next one. <laughs> Blues underscore ND underscore bruise. Uh, I'm looking into getting my next salvage pair, non-competition, at Selfedge. Any recommendations looking at PBJ and Strike Gold? Yeah, only. <laughs> yeah. What's your build? What's your budget? Um, what kind of fit do you want? Those are really the questions we need to ask. Which and you then, can't obviously answer here because uh, we're going off something that we're sending. Well, let, let, let's guys. make some let's make some assumptions that he's he's looking at something that's um, obviously quite textured and you know Slim. over en- over engineered in terms of mm-hmm. denim. Um, so yeah, those are, those two brands are, are are good you know good choices if that's mm-hmm. what you're looking for. Um, so I'll, I would go for something that would fit your body shape from from mm-hmm. those two uh pbj can be quite slim for people so if you if you're not um built that way uh avoid them uh i'm not the, sure the same with strike gold and even, i think even strike gold, legs yeah can get can be pretty so, tight yeah so I, I i would i would just go and say get some warehouse because you've got some brilliant denim with good cuts that will work um for a lot of people um or uh, or samurai or samurai mm-hmm. um if you want something a little bit more you know uh slightly more modern i think they have brilliant denim with um a good variety of cuts um so depending um, on which way you kind of want to go to yeah i'm on his so ig gonna... he's already got a pair of onis so we'll, we'll, okay. we'll strike that brand out um, yeah i see here he says on one of his posts uh I've been working on getting looser fits without looking baggy. Uh, it was 400 T's then. There you go. Yeah, but this has to be from Self Edge. Do they not sell US? They don't sell US and they don't have Oni. Um, uh, well, he doesn't need, he's already got Oni's. Goddamn. Yeah, so that's me. Uh, straight that. I mean, easiest thing to do is, I mean, if, it depends. If you're near Self Edge, just pop in, think about 
the cut you're after. See if the the two brands that you've mentioned have something that will, you know, is the mm-hmm. right kind of cut and fit for you. Just give it a try. You might find actually you don't get that, you know, that either they don't work for you or it does work for you, but it doesn't feel right. Or, you know, you, you just by pure chance, you'll find like, you know, that, that kind of perfect pair for you. Or you uh, might strike gold. Yay! But I mean, yeah, yeah if, no. if, if those, the, you know, the dimensions of those brands, you know, their sizings and that work for you, either are very good choices, strike gold are recommending you know uh, there's the whole thing about the way they've been designed to basically deconstruct as you wear them quite aggressively and we all know pbj fabric is is pretty darn special amazing um, when it fades the only issue with pbj though is i think with the exception of their uh 003 fit which is their kind of like regular straight fit i think that's like the only gene in their lineup that's got over like a 10 inch front rise on it and so rise is very low yeah yeah like every single other fit of theirs it's either like nine to ten inch front rise which um yeah i, I feel like at least for me uh, i i can't wear that it's just it's just not high enough but um i do know with their regular straight whatever you call it it's like 11 somethings so that's a bit more more reasonable um so yeah i think mm. also like i really uh i really dug this the different like bsp collaborations that uh, kia's done so it's like Bob Zani's special product is is what BSP stands for, and those are basically like special editions that he had different shops made. Um, and historically, they were exclusive just to Self Edge. Um, I think Danny was able to carry a couple of Riven hides, but it could be interesting just to go in there and see like what all BSP's uh, collabs he's done over time, uh, and which ones are still in stock. So you can probably find some pretty cool, unique styles that like would only be available at Self Edge and nowhere else. Yeah, you can yeah, also I'd... get the um, 633 cut by Ironheart, which is like a Selfridge um, exclusive, which is kind of a regular taper or straight taper fit, which is um, quite a nice one. That's oh, an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> Say again? That's an oxymoron, isn't it? Straight taper. <laughs> Should Plus one on that. Yeah, I've been on the Selfish <laughs> website. And as he talks about straight taper, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what is what does that mean? It's Neither probably straight upper, straight thigh, and then a gentle taper in the from the knee down. From the knee down, yeah. It's just called yeah, like a knee taper. I would call it a regular taper. Yeah. But that's just me. Well, a regular taper would taper all the way down gradually, right? Would that be a carrot fit? I think carrots are baggy in the hips, so I guess uh, <laughs> one could argue that like a high taper is basically a carrot. This taper. conversation far, far too deep. I think someone's going to die. Broke the table. Yeah, I remember in my times at Black Horse trying to like name name cuts and accurately. It's like a complete nightmare trying to figure out how to describe a gene in such few words that it's like seo and web friendly but like still makes sense when someone says how does that fit it's like it's it's so hard to get that right well for ages i thought a relaxed <laughs> taper was like a regular taper which was looser up top but they're not the same loads thing? Of, it turns out it doesn't seems to be a lot of relaxed tapers are actually just really aggressive below the knee and are almost slim taper 
Well, I guess really high, high taper is is kind of that, right? High taper, it's like give me a really high rise, give me a really really aggressively aggressive taper, probably too aggressive, but make it baggy for part of it. So it's almost like give me hammer pants. Side room. I'd be down with that, but I really don't like super tight leg openings. Yeah. Yeah. Get claustrophobic when I can't take the shoe off uh, the shoe <laughs> over my heel. Yeah, I also don't want my uh, toes to go numb. <laughs> so. I've definitely sold some PBJs and some RGTs because they like pinched the back of my knee when I sat down. It would sort of like impact blood flow. It's like, oh, those got to go. <laughs> Should we grab the next question? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right, uh, I'll grab this one. So we've got uh, Carl Murawski, who uh, a lot of folks probably know from his, his YouTube channel. Um, any thoughts on Zimbabwe cotton, ethics, pros, cons, et cetera? Hmm. Shall, shall I start? <laughs> yeah, go for it, mate. Uh, I, mean, I think it's great cotton in terms of softness and you know the construction um full count jeans are amazing um the long fiber makes them softer maybe wear a little bit better um the ethics of it is a tough one um because full count argue that you know the farmers that they get zimbabwe cotton from are you know very very small kind of family-run businesses um you know they're buying straight from the source um buying all this cotton helps them to you know maybe get a little bit bigger and buy some machinery to speed up the process and you know give themselves a slightly better um quality of life um but obviously then those taxes do go to zimbabwe i mean you could argue buying anything from anywhere means that your taxes are going to go to a shit country because most countries are pretty shit <laughs> with what they spend tax money <laughs> on so uh, you know whether your tax money goes to zimbabwe whether it goes to ivory coast or america um you know an argument can be made either side for that yeah i mean with this zimbabwe is in a very interesting place at the moment as it you know within the last few years it has left um a very aggressive dictatorship um, and is making baby steps towards becoming a full-fledged democracy. I mean, I haven't really heard anything. I remember when it all changed, um, when uh, Mugabe popped his clogs. Um, but yeah, so I'm not really sure where, what the situation is there, like there at the moment. Um, so it, it all depends on stuff like that. I mean, we're still, it's not, you know, this might be seen as controversial. It's not like it's um, Xinjiang cotton, where we are, you know, you're pretty confident that that is going to be picked um, by what kind of borderlines as, as a slave labor. Um, but um, yeah. Yeah, there's a report quite recently about the Xinjiang mm. uh, cotton that stated that it's just, you know, almost 100% just slave labour picked. Mm. Um, and uh, there was lots of brands that were kind of shouting about it and saying, oh, you know, this is going to be great. You know, it's so much cheaper and it's got all the properties of Zimbabwe cotton. It's like, but <laughs> the ethics behind that might be a little bit less than a small Zimbabwe uh, cotton farm. Yeah. 
that's um you know kind of family-owned business and so the, uh, yeah the other thing to consider as well is the carbon footprint because if you've got cotton being grown in zimbabwe spun and woven in japan like then made into jeans in say america and then shipped back to europe to be sold the carbon footprint is gigantic um but i guess the counter argument is if you're making a product that's going to last a long time then it's there are some advantages of that rather than just you know cheap cotton that'll be made into cheap jeans that will last last a few weeks and get put into landfill two two bits i'll throw in there um one is around the kind of carbon footprint i know Japan, for better or for worse, may be one of the, the biggest offenders in that their cotton is sourced from Texas. So in many cases, or like uh, like I think also maybe Tennessee cotton sometimes. Um, so it's like, you know, getting the fabric in, in, in America, you know, turning it into yarn, shipping the yarn to Japan, weaving it into Japanese denim, which gets sold back to like American brands oftentimes, uh, or, or turn into jeans in Japan. So even kind of like our exalted Japanese genes are often uh, using stuff that, that came from quite far. Japan doesn't grow cotton. Um, one thing I'll, I'll mention that's quite interesting was uh, as well is that um, Cote d'Ivoire cotton, I know someone mentioned it briefly, I think Tom, I know Japan blue jeans worked quite closely with some of the Cote d'Ivoire, I guess, cotton industry or, or government, whatever, to sort of bring back production to that country, I guess, Historically, Cote d'Ivoire had made lots of cotton and kind of gotten out of that industry and but had a really interesting sort of knowledge and history and kind of unique staple. And so these days, Japan Blue will do a bunch of jeans that have um, the Cote d'Ivoire flag on it. And they're working with, you know, makers to kind of do so in a you know sustainable and, and workforce uh, respectful ways. I think that's kind of cool to see a company almost like investing in um in, in production in the right way in a, in a particular market. Um, and then also, I guess, lastly, just to mention, um, be cool to see the, the continued evolution of uh, Vidalia mills and and their, their, their manufacturing in Louisiana, because I guess all of their cotton's grown in, I guess, presumably grown in Texas, driven across the border, uh, milled in Louisiana. And uh, I really hope that they're uh, succeeding and developing as a business. Just uh, one thing jumping in there, I know you said Japan doesn't make it's like produce cotton actually samurai have their own cotton project that they've been running for about 10 years now uh, oh wow yeah i think yeah. it's still very very small scale it is, uh, yeah they uh, made they made a pair of jeans that's like it costs like a million yen or something yeah they made but, a pair of jeans out of japanese cotton yeah they were showing but, it at the um and i think they grew the indigo global in. denim hang thing yeah yeah Oh, that reminds me. I just saw on Instagram the other day. Uh, I forgot who it was. I didn't write it down, unfortunately. But someone's offering pure hand-sewn jeans now. Uh, oh man, did anyone see that? They like were now they announced like a week or two ago, like literally jeans was entirely via, sewn by hand. Was that via um, Ben Lobacon? Yeah, I was about to say Bizen. Oh yeah, Bizen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mostin did that a few years ago. He made a pair of jeans that was fully made by hand. Um, well, know. I will say um, the uh, Tillman Robel, uh, he's a German slash French uh, denim consultant and designer. He's got like a really high end label, which is like hand sewing every single piece. And you can like pick your thread, pick your stitch style. But you're, you're talking like a thousand euro for a pair of jeans. But yeah. 
I'd be really interested to talk to Ben and understand more kind of like what Bizen's doing with this notion of, of hand-sewn genes, like, you know, and how, how are they manufacturing them? Like, what's the, what's the kind of way of doing it? And what's the kind of value prop of, of offering that as a product? Like, is it just an experiment? Like, do they have demand for something like that? I think there's a very interesting story to be had there, and maybe we should get Ben on in a future episode to talk about it. That'd be cool. Should we get in the next one? Yeah. Cool. I guess I can grab it. Um, fashion is therapy. Uh, early pick for denim or collab of the year. Could be something you own or that you've just seen online or in person. Has everybody got one? Hmm. I haven't really been paying attention to collabs this year. Hard, yeah. I can't think, can't think of any. I'm really excited and intrigued about the double indigo Oni secret denim that got released the other day at the Nimeo, I think it is. Yeah, those uh, look awesome. Cool with the um, with the indigo patch as well. So yeah, they look they look pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's something very recent. I can't remember what was, you know, released in February. <laughs> really. One thing that really tickled my fancy, and I I'll, I'll probably won't be able to ever own it, but um. I saw Standard and Strange last week lost, uh, launch this product from uh, Masterson, which is, I guess, one of their past employees who used to work with them and, and now kind of has their own brand. Uh, looking mm -hmm. online, they're kind of a combination indigo artist slash maker. And they've got, they came out with this shirt at Standard and Strange called the Blueberry Riots. And it's all about this, like, you know, kind of, it's like a indigo shashiko kind of work shirt. And it's like really, really cool. But um you know different stitch colors unique buttons and they even have like um kind of a silk screened artwork inside uh, across the back of your shoulder but what i thought was so cool about it was it's not just like a collection or a, a style or whatever but it's actually like a shirt that's kind of linked to a story so the maker had mm. thought about this notion of like a battle of forest animals over like blueberries like let me see what the quote was here um yeah, here you go. An ill-fated blueberry for blueberry foraging trip that Michael took up in Maine. As he tells it, he imagined a pleasant time strolling around plucking blueberries, but instead found himself in a crowd of hundreds, everyone angrily competing for the few blueberries that could be found. And I love this idea of like taking a narrative and like turning that into a garment. It's almost kind of like magical realism meets uh, clothing design. I thought that was like the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. It's like shirt that tells a story. Uh, I think I saw the uh, it, the email about it yesterday. It's a great looking shirt. Um, I think he might, Masterson might have done some stuff with um, Railcar at some point as well. A yeah, I guess they've been back. around. Yeah, I haven't heard of them before before this email, but I guess it, it sounds like they've been around for a while. Cause this is apparently like Collaboration 49. But yeah, I'm just super interested in this idea of like a narrative driven garment and, and the shirt's damn cool looking too anybody else have uh any any that stand out from this year i'm trying to think if there's anything that i bought that or grabbed that was only released this year one more i'll throw out in the interim is um 
that tanuki fabric they came out with i think it's called amagumo which is that black bear uh sorry black bean dyed fabric ah that one came out that kind of grayish blue i thought that was quite cool and, and innovative oh the samurai kakashibi jeans were cool that was a cool thing that came out this year yes it was um, um and you know i think if i hadn't already got a pair of um graph zero jeans that were kakashibi then they would have been something i'd have looked at though they were probably the price of like two pairs of normal jeans and just for the layman can you remind us what kakashibu stands for uh yeah oh it's basically it's persimmon dyed um which is also known uh, as a sharon fruit um yeah and it, it gives uh, the gene a very nice um kind of tan color to it quite pale lovely but yeah very nice anybody else for this one no cool cool uh guess the next question we've got from uh our buddy carl carl sb underscore sb uh what are your trips or sorry maybe we did see that uh what are your tips for layering in different <laughs> autumnal conditions uh, or fall conditions and favorite layering pieces denim denim and then another denim jacket denim, denim, denim. <laughs> and flannel yeah all the flannel denim Denim underwear, denim jeans, oh. denim socks, <laughs> jorts. <laughs> Go to full Rudy. Jeans. <laughs> I think for me, it's denim, denim Gore Tex. Uh, Bless you. I'll, I'll jump in on this one. I, <laughs> I like I like my Browns beach vests um, as a layering piece between the denim. Yes. Um, they are really, really warm without being sweaty because it's a vest. Uh, sometimes I find, you know, having too much um, up top can be, you know, can get a little bit too hot in there. So, yeah, uh, as a layering piece, I think the Browns Beach rests are really nice. Um, they look good. Um, and, um, yeah, keep you warm. That's definitely one of the, one of the pieces that I go to. Um, otherwise, um, I've been recently really feeling sweatshirts again so been going for those um yeah those, those would be my mm -hmm. choices i'm a big fan of overshirts as well i got a wax london like checked overshirt really nice big fan of that as well um, but that's probably more kind of like australian winter <laughs> T-shirt yeah. and an overshirt. I've also got into I've got into kind of more thermal base layers at the moment as well. So I've mm. got a couple of long sleeve kind of thermally Henleys from uh, Pike Brothers, and I recently picked up a waffle knit uh, long sleeve from um, Cali, who are a, a, I'd say relatively new Japanese brand with a Californian uh slant to their design hence the name um which is always quite nice because then you can if it starts to get a little bit warm you can untuck it and wear it like a t-shirt and 
it'll still just give you that extra layer of uh, warmth without being too thick and bulky. So is is the waffle net warmer than just a standard Henley? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, you've got to think a lot of Henleys are quite thin. A lot of the Henleys we get are quite thin, yeah. Uh, Pike Brothers ones are pretty chunky. Um, but yeah, waffle knit's good because it just helps. It just traps in that layer of air within the knit to keep, keep the heat in. One thing I'll, I'll throw out there is I've I've touted the brand for a long time. Obviously, they they don't exist anymore, but Apollos, all of their kind of wool garments are, are fantastic. They're kind of wool, cotton, polyester blends. And everything is pretty much designed for kind of three season wear. So uh, I find that I can like wear my button down shirt, whatever I've got on, layer one of their wool pieces like a chore coat or a blazer, whatever. And then it's thin enough and warm enough that you can like easily still throw like my, my Gore-Tex rain shell on top of it. So um, for me, that's kind of my favorite combo of um, uh, you know, sort of shirt, uh, wool blend layering piece, or I guess a CPO shirt would be equivalent if you can find a good CPO shirt you like, uh, over shirt, shack it, and then um, yeah, kind of a rain shell on top if you need it. When it gets cold, just get a big old N1 deck jacket if you don't already have one, because uh, they are the king of keeping warm. Yeah, definitely still at some point want to get some kind of like super awesome Buzz Rickson or like uh, Real McCoy's like heavy duty layering piece mm -hmm. that's kind of for like Arctic tundra type weather. But then I think about it and it's like, wait a second, I actually don't like to go outside when it's that kind of weather, so maybe I don't need it. Would you, David, would you get one of the William Gibson ones from Buzz? If I was to, yeah, yeah, it's got to yeah. be black. Yeah. Like my recent Barbour pickup was a black wax canvas, which I'm quite. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Um, he did it again. Barbour. Barbour. Uh, <laughs> it's a black wax canvas. So yeah, Jack outerwear has always got to be in black for me. Next, cool. Quizzy. Yeah, let's do it. I just, uh, this is from a lime it... peach. Um, oh, oh, let's say that. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, yeah, well, okay, they were excited. Oh, <laughs> I just finished the latest episode. You should discuss the resurgence of independent makers and craftsmen who work with leather. Um, yes, we should. We should, and I think we have talked about it in the past, um, who we'd like to use. Um, I will start with um, our friend Mike from Japan, um, who runs Wild Frontier Goods. Um, I think a number of us have um, some uh, pieces made by him. Um, I've had some belts and two wallets. I know Lex has had some as well, and uh, Andy's point, pointing at his Andy's belt. Andy's throwing off his belt. Yes. Oh, yeah, belt. <laughs> belt. Cool, mate. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, Andy has the, is it the Shonen chocolate leather? Yeah, that it is the, um, the, yeah, the collab, the collaboration yes. that he did with your lovely beard. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, um, so, yeah, I, Mike's a great person, a great human being, definitely, and he's a great craftsman. Um, he's 
always pushing himself to make things better and hasn't just stuck with doing the same thing over and over again. So there's there's clearly um, things that he's looking to improve. Um, I don't know, he was recently looking at uh, the way Flathead were doing their wallets and utilising some of those techniques um, for for some of his um, work. Um, yeah. I, th- I think, you know, with him having access to a lot of the Japanese leathers um, gives him definitely an edge over a lot of um, um, other people. Um, so that yeah, would that be, be my suggestion. Yeah, that wallet he made for me was is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's interesting with Wild Frontier Goods because I feel like his style is quite unique and it doesn't really look like anybody else's, which I think in the leather space, I think that's what makes stuff really stand out as kind of someone doing something very different. Um, like there's a, I haven't ever tried their stuff, but there's a brand called, I think they're called Flatland Supply that does leather goods, but like really kind of mo- super modern and kind of bright colors and stuff. And I, I thought they were interesting because it's like such a different approach to the the leather craft scene. Um, and my buddy, Chris, his brand Kaiju Cut and Sew, which we talked about before, he really comes at it from kind of that Japanese pop culture sort of slant, which is again something very different. And then um, my other buddy Vince and Steamboat uh, with Steamboat Haberdashery, he kind of comes at it from like a bison specific focus and um, very kind of like rugged frontier. And I think it's quite interesting with the, with the leather space when you see these people that are doing something that's kind of just their own different vantage on it. You know, Pigeon Tree really pushing the kind of indigo approach and um, yeah, to me, that's what makes these kind of different craftspersons stand out is they're not just recreating Tanner Goods designs, but they're doing kind of their own unique flavor on it. And I think that that's really cool. Tanner Bates might be one worth shouting out. Um, is it Tanner Bates, the small Devon brand? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, small little UK business. And um, they do all the belts for, uh, for Rivet and Hyde. So their own own branded belts are made by them, which is quite cool. And they're, uh, they're, some, they're some decently made and, and really well-priced boot, uh, belts. Um, if you're wanting something, you know, that, that's kind of handmade and, you know, uh, leather wears, you know, some of the, the brands we, we, you know, we've mentioned there, um, like Wild Frontier and uh, Pigeon Tree, you are maybe a bit more expensive but it's just you know due to the cost and the availability of their leathers and stuff um whereas i think tanner bates is right next to a a uk-based tanner so they're able to get hold of their stuff pretty quickly uh, pretty easily good shout out is who i've seen recently on instagram ernest walker um who i think is based in south or southeast london um and he's makes them from what i can see um some really solid looking belts i think he gets them um all the hardware kind of specially cast and stuff so um that's a a good look if you're looking for something similar yeah i bought some some thread and needles and a couple bits to kind of try and repair cool should we do should we do work on wars well (laughs) 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 he's got to it i mean Uh, the one above it the answer is just yes (laughs) Yanakovich, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, put an order in for the John Lofgren engineer boots and Shinki Hikaku horse, but they will be amazing. I yeah. know there's some questions about 
John Lofgren um, as an individual and political stuff and the whole stuff that came out previously with the uh, not made in uh, China, not made in Indonesia hashtags, that appears to have been sorted uh, and was really just poor advertising that they make everything in Japan. Um, But the boots are really well made. And if you're wanting, if you, you know, if you, you are willing to pay that amount of money for a boot like that, then yeah, you, you're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, agreed. Do it. Yeah. Right, let's go to work and wars. Big important questions. <laughs> so this is the question of the decade. Um, Thank you, Joe. <laughs> out of the podcast crew. So I guess this is addressed to us to pick from us snog marry avoid Mm. shall i I go first go on tom go Go on break the ice okay um my 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 snog would actually be kevin i feel like that that would be a little bit exotic uh southern hemisphere (laughs) i've never never really gone gone down under nice and warm nice and hot down Yeah, yeah yeah um Oh, I'd marry Ilya. He would treat me right. Uh, let's be honest. Um, and you know, we'd be a similar size in wardrobe, so you know, we could like share clothes, and it'd be fine. Um, and I, I would avoid all the neon things in David's wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it says a lot about one's personality when you know that you're going to be the avoid person before it's even said. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh shit, no, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> that asshole, I hope he I moves it. somewhere else outside of London. Let's get rid of him. <laughs> Should jump on to the next one after that? Tom's the only one brave enough to give an answer. What? Why isn't everyone else going as well? What? It'll take like <laughs> half an hour, man. All right, no, nice and easy then. Uh, I'd marry Ilya exactly the same reason with Tom. We actually fit in the same clothes, which makes life easier. Uh, and obviously he's got a good beard that I can stroke. Uh, obviously I don't have one. Um, my wife doesn't have one. So that's a nice change. And then <laughs> Snog, oh, it's going to be Tom. Thanks, Tom thanks. is a, a very handsome man oh. and um, has made a number of advances towards me. <laughs> uh, and I'm disappointed that I was not your Snog, mate. Uh, it was very close run. It it was very, but I, you know, I feel like we get. Is it just because you think that I'm on tap? Yeah. I'm sorry. Avoid. Can I avoid myself? <laughs> that's, 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 the, that's the most difficult one. Yeah, the avoid yeah. one. Because I think we, you know, we all like it's each other. Much, so. It's pretty much every. It's, it's pretty much everyone else, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No offense. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> all I can make out of this is that Ilya has to be careful with letting Tom and Andy into his home because he might not have a wardrobe left. <laughs> it might just Il- run out with all of his clothes. <laughs> Ilya regularly lets me try on his clothes. Yes. In dress Ooh. up. He'll sell your clothes. You're not he doesn't realize it. Is <laughs> the thing. So let, let me let me work backwards and say I'll avoid Kevin because I don't like long distance relationships. Oh, um, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. 
having had some in the, in in my past, I'll uh, I'll, I'll go that way. But yeah, no, nothing Never personal, again. Kevin. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> I would kiss Tom because he's a sexy beast, and uh, we can't well, keep hands with each other uh, when we meet up. And uh, I'd have to marry Andy purely for the you know same reasons as our wardrobes are very similar. And um, yeah, I think we we are very similar in a lot of ways and uh get, get on really really well so yeah i could uh see well, him marriage, as, a long term, as a long-term partner yeah. as you can see it would be a marriage of convenience yes uh, and be completely yes. loveless yeah yeah and we would just work out together and uh, wear yeah. scuba trunks and who needs love you know oh yes we've got that this summer scuba yes. trunks <laughs> i will be wearing scuba mine special. In, i'm i'm already super excited about wearing them in greece uh next next summer <laughs> but are you going anywhere or are you just <laughs> oh, i'm going mate i'm going to greece i'm going to be rocking them in in the uh mediterranean just, or adriatic heat i thought you would just be greased up that too <laughs> that too bacon grease is great for tanning i feel sorry for lex because he's not here at the moment yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else want to tackle this question or are we uh, moving on? Sure. David, David doesn't you want to go? Comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I thought David was frozen there for a second. Yeah. So, <laughs> David has logged off. What? <laughs> so so I, I'd snog everybody because when I lived in France, I learned how to deal with the awkward French kiss greeting. Uh, and so I'm now comfortable with rubbing, rubbing faces with people with beards and stuff, which was really freaking weird when I moved there. <laughs> um, but you've got a beard. I mean, is it just is it just the pro- the static that it creates, or is it like Velcro and you get locked in together? Yeah, it's, it's, it's it all depends on the on the side. Like the French do it on one side only, because if you do it on the other side, your your beard will get stuck. I think it's got to be like right side, right cheek to right cheek. Otherwise, you get you get Velcroed. I, I, um, at least at least it wasn't in Russia. You'd be side side and then lips. That would be even, uh, yeah, more intimate. Um, In terms of Mary, uh, I'd marry Andy for for the gaming and kind of common interest, but I'm not so sure about the music, so it may not last that long. I guess after we would get divorced, I'd probably marry Ilya next uh, because, you know, (laughs) listening to hip-hop and stuff, but then all of his facial hair beard. we uh, We would not last. (laughs) <laughs> David, are you a three-time uh, divorcee uh, <laughs> making your way through us? All, all of Ilya's facial hair would probably clog up the sinks and stuff, so that might not last either. Um, and I guess ultimately I might end up with Kevin because I've I've known him the longest, and uh, we go way back, so it's kind of like marrying a uh, high school sweetheart or something like that. So you'd be uh, like Ross from Friends, having multiple marriages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Not one, I guess, uh, I guess in terms of avoid, uh, I just avoid myself. <laughs> if that's a valid answer. Damn straight. I mean, I've been avoiding you guys for well, almost five <laughs> years now, so it's been working out perfectly for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I need to talk uh, to his nutters again this month. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, bloody hell, I have to jump on a call with him again, record this podcast. Bloody hell. 
Um, I'd, I'd probably marry David. I mean, having a, a 40-year-old partner has always been on the list, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you know, an, an American passport could come in handy, you know? Who knows? Yeah, you can give me that EU passport um, as well. Yeah, exactly. Trade. Trade off. Uh, I know I would snug you all whenever we whenever I'm back in Europe again. We'll do one one big hug at the next meet when I'm there. <laughs> say one big snug. Mm. Oh, yeah. we can do that as well. If you want. <laughs> Get them fades going. <laughs> Is that that a was a good question. You broke the podcast, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Once again. Yeah. Couple more. The folks need to head out. Uh, yeah, I can. I can. Let's do another one. So this is from uh, Paula Rorin. Rorin. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Paula. Um, so current denim trends you love and hate. Anybody got I mean, anything? The one specific? we, the one we hate. Much. I think we've talked, we've talked about stone washing quite yeah. a bit recently. So, yeah, that that's definitely seeing brands do that kind of thing. We def definitely don't like it. Um, trends we like, we love. I've got one that's a love hate. I love the trend in in developing kind of like interesting different fabric colors. So like over dyeing different wefts you know i love a blue weft um all that kind of stuff so i love that but i hate the fact that it's almost always used on the slimmest cuts possible so it's like oh if you want an interesting fabric you must want uh extreme tapered no rise you know um mm. kind of spandex jeans I, I just don't understand why it must it be that the cool fabrics have to be used for like the slimmest of slimmest cuts possible that's love and hate in the same product. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, I, both I, my I knuckles. think that's probably yeah. That's probably because that is the you know bigger sellers and cuts. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I can I can understand why, but yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to see those kind of options open up for a variety of cuts for people. And it's interesting. So if I play devil's advocate a bit, you know, streetwear and kind of like con a lot of the contemporary looks are kind of bigger, looser, you know, Studio Nicholson, kind of like, you know, the urban streetwear kind of vibe is like looser mm. cuts anyway. So it's like, there's no reason why you can't have really cool, interesting colors, but with like the looser fits. Agreed. Yeah. Tom, Tom. got anything else to add or? Uh, oh. Oh, love, uh, I love you guys. <laughs> I think we've established that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know really. That's yeah, that's a tough one. I've got a lot of hate, <laughs> not a lot of love. Don't like that. Stonewash. Um, yeah, I love yeah United Overalls Co. Shameless plug time. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. about if you do this one next so at uh tee up um best way of cleaning uh or washing a collar on a sherpa jacket without washing the whole thing um i would get a clean cloth um and soap it up with um some mild detergent 
and um, work the soap in and then rinse it out and repeat a couple of times if you don't want the whole you know mm. do the whole jacket that's that'll be my approach yeah um good. yeah um yeah any unless anyone else has a method uh and the last one that we've got is uh joe again work and war what is the worst part of our community um i think we again i think we've touched upon this probably gatekeeping and people being snobby yeah. uh and not being inclusive uh as much as they could be um i th i think yeah, that's probably it's, it's rare but it does happen. it's rare but it, it does happen yeah um that would be from what i've seen uh, i'd actually throw out misinformation that's whether it's yeah whether it's like you know thinking you can't wash your clothes thinking you can Washington wear your boots good. in the ocean <laughs> and also the kind of <laughs> grumpiness people get around sharing information useful information like it seems like a lot of folks if you kind of say oh by the way you could do this or that to, to change how you look after your garment they're like oh mate don't tell me how to wash my jeans you know or stuff like that so i feel like there's a, a bit of um misinformation and kind of the desire to perpetuate it and like be being closed-minded on on how you can look after your stuff mm. yeah i guess we touched on it before it's the same in kind of any community there's going to be that small minority of people who you know are very close-minded and not open to <laughs> different ideas and i'd also add the thought that people think the, the that genes are to be destroyed you know as opposed to like you know miners didn't intentionally destroy their genes they're like mate why are you rubbing against a rock in the in the mine oh dude i'm trying to get extra fades in my jeans wait you might b rub that tnt <laughs> stick and blow us all up don't do that you know it's like this whole <laughs> actually i don't know what i'm talking about um, <laughs> yeah who do you follow on instagram <laughs> <laughs> but just this idea of like you know i buy jeans and boots to destroy them and ruin them it's like well no man you buy nice stuff to to have nice stuff and i just think that's a weird mindset that folks have but i guess that's me being closed-minded yeah i mean i guess it comes off the mindset of you're meant to age your genes that's like one of the appeals of it the aging process um but yeah it's but that, that gets it level. gets perverted doesn't it it gets yeah. perverted that you know you, you you seek out to do certain things to you know to increase the chances of that um so but yeah, I mean, if the, if that's what you're doing, if that's part of your work or part of your daily routine, yeah. then that's fine. But it's just when people go out of their way to do certain things. Exactly, yeah. so. All right, folks, I think that's, that's all the it. questions. Awesome. Thanks, it's everyone, for pounds. sending them in. <laughs> yep, thank yeah. you. Appreciate that. Um, thank you. Welcome more. My favorite question. Jerry <laughs> <laughs> always comes to the good ones. Yeah. Sorry again for uh, sleeping in. I, I still don't know how my, my alarm didn't go off, but uh, thanks everybody for their patience. And thanks uh, to all of our listeners as well for their patience, listening to our tomfoolery and uh, absurdities every episode. Thank you, all <laughs> three of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got like a sufficiently small listener base that we could just add everyone else's hosts. So everyone who listens yeah. to our podcast can be a host and we'll have uh, still a manageable audience, <laughs> a recording group. But I guess um, on that note, probably uh, 
great way to wrap up 2021. You know, we're 15 episode in, episodes in. That's like a year and a half of uh, great podcasts. And I think all of us love doing this and, and love the the feedback we get from our listeners on social media and all that good stuff. And yeah, I think, you know, 2022 is going to be awesome. A bit more normalcy in our lives and a bit more uh, hanging out in person. And it's great to see Ilya uh, keeping the, the London meetup uh, strong, meeting up every month in London. So we'll continue that next year too. And yeah, I'm just uh, excited about what we've achieved so far and, and what's coming next for the podcast. So thank thank you to our, our hosts and thank you to our listeners. And um, looking forward uh, to next year. Thank you for that, waking up. <laughs> thank you, David, for all the hard work that you put into this yeah. uh, podcast. The editing and cutting out. The, the Rudy bits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I definitely have to, uh, with each episode, I have to do a little bit more editing than before in terms of what gets left in or not. <laughs> it's like the normal edit and then the Tom edit. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, please rate and review us. <laughs> Wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. Uh, also, please follow us on Instagram at Sons of Selvage Podcast. Uh, message us on Instagram if you've got any questions for a future episode. I assume we'll probably do more of these extended Q&As uh, down the road. And of course, if you want to, uh, reach out to us and we'll send you an invite to our uh, developing Discord server where we uh, hang out and, and shoot, the, shoot the fades as well, I guess you could say. Um, and on that note, have a good day, everybody. Peace. See you.